0: WordCast, episode 140, go! I'm Dylan Vento and today I'm joined by Andrew Dicey-Sholdice. Hello. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. How are you? I am great. It's Sunday. It's right before Memorial Day, so we can properly date this podcast, even though it's coming out a few weeks later uh yeah everything's good Ever, over here how's everything in atlantic time
1: uh you know not bad it's what two shortly past two It's good i we, i'm in canada so we don't have memorial day um which is always one of those exciting things when you're expecting emails from someone and think like okay well, well we'll deal with it on monday no so
0: just radio silence
1: yeah exactly well i hope yeah what is memorial day anyway
0: that's a great question, Andrew. We should I should look that up. I think it's something to deal with um veterans. Well, I mean there's Veterans Day obviously. Uh Memorial Day or Decoration Day is a federal holiday in the United States for remembering the people who died while serving in the country's armed forces.
1: Oh, okay. Well,
0: yeah. Good good job them, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> good job armed forces. Uh yeah, I don't know. It's 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 weird. Holidays are weird, especially ones of that sort. Um Does Canada have any holidays that we don't have? Gosh, I don't know which ones you you do have and you don't, honestly. Uh, I mean, I'm pretty sure
1: you don't have Victoria Day.
0: Yeah, we do not. (laughs) Yeah, you should try it out. It's not bad. Oh, yeah? Is it a fun time? Yeah. But we're not here to talk about holidays. We're here to talk about your game, Tunic. You want to give a you want to give a elevator pitch for Tunic?
1: Yeah, for sure. So Tunic is an isometric action adventure about a tiny fox in a big world where you explore the wilderness, fight monsters, and find secrets. And how long have you been working on it? Uh ten thousand years. That sounds I about know, right. It's uh, it's been uh, a little over three years. I think it was uh, February
0: three years ago that I started work on it. How many? Um, this now this is just me as a game developer asking these questions how many failed or incomplete or unsatisfied prototypes of other games did you make before you <laughs> came to tunic
1: uh i mean plenty so uh i guess we can get right into sort of history if that's what people are i guess if you were tuning into this podcast maybe that's what you're interested in I'm talking about video games uh i uh this was this was a quit my job and start full time right into it like jump in feet first uh head first uh yeah i'd been working in games before doing um hidden object games which are sort of like a, a picture find meat adventure game uh casual sorts of things and some some licensed stuff and uh at a certain point it was like well i'm getting old and uh i've done a bunch of Ludum Dare games and they were that that was a lot of fun and i you know the the games were were well received and so, you know, you start getting questions like, oh, when are you gonna quit your job and make a real video game? Uh and yeah, so it was a, it was one of those now or never sort of situations and uh one of those, well, even if this is a bad idea, I can't live knowing that I didn't try. Yeah. And I was uh, in a privileged position to be able to do that. Um, you know, use some savings and and uh fund, you know, the first year or so of the project just just with that. Uh, so, yeah, it was, uh, I definitely had a bunch of failed stuff before, but those were usually games that were uh, out of scope and, you know, little side projects that, you know, do do what a lot of side projects do, which is sort of fizzle when it gets hard. And mm-hmm. let me tell you, there's, there's two ways that I know of to help finish a video game. One is do it in a jam context where, you know, you've got a time limit. And the other one is do it in a real world. This is a commercial product scenario where in the same case there's there's a very real uh
0: time limit as well right the uh did you happen to catch that tweet that was going around about someone saying like uh it was it it wasn't directly referred to games but people in the games uh space were talking about it but someone said if you burn out on a project it means you weren't passionate about it and it was uh jw and a bunch of other people were quote tweeting it saying like no if I've had plenty of projects where I was super passionate about them and I just still overworked myself. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it was one of those weird things where it's like they're arguing about like as long as the product is is derived in the end that justifies self-harm or anything like working yourself to pain. Uh yeah, for sure. There's
1: they, even even so there's uh there's there's the the fun sort of making video game uh, but anything that is, a you know, a complete product is probably going to have a time where uh, you're doing things that are um, not necessarily the fun part. And, you know, all, all of that is real work. Uh, of course, the, the stuff that is, you know, nobody's few people are super excited about, uh, you know, writing, you know, your UI code or spending weeks and weeks working on trailers or, you know, it's it's stressful stuff for sure.
0: Yeah, so kind of going into that, so you're talking about you kind of self-funded for the first year and then how did the relationship with like cause it was Felix first that kinda of joined on the project and then Finji later, correct? Uh yeah, yeah. And so like how did how did those relationships kind of get started?
1: Uh the both the relationship with uh with Felix and then with Finji were very um I guess like Organic, if that's if that's the sort of word that you can use to describe, um, you know, uh, interpersonal and, and business relationships, uh, where it it was like a, okay, oh, hey, here's this cool thing, I want to show it to you, and um, I guess you had Felix on recently, and they sort of you know had seen him like yeah we should talk about this thing, uh, and then the uh, that sort of segued into talking with Finji and that relationship was very much like a, Hey, check out this thing. And slowly over the course of, gosh, I don't know, like a, a couple of years or more, um, going from, Hey, I'm working on this thing. Here's an email of sort of what it's about. Do you have any advice for, for business and, and production and, you know, gameplay and stuff like that. Uh, and having that turn into sort of a mentor relationship and then having that turn into a more formal publisher relationship. So it's yeah, it's a, it, it, feels very smooth like there's not really even a clear like uh, beginning point to a lot of these it just has to do with you know talking to people about cool stuff
0: right Adam in the past I think he's referred to Finji as an accidental publisher just because <laughs> right, the, yeah. that stuff just happens um, like the, their their intent wasn't to be publishing other people's games it was more to kind of publish their own games yeah absolutely so when I had Felix on uh, they were very excited to talk about just how awesome you are about everything you do on Tunic. And I mean because wow, because you you do everything from, you know, any everything game development side. And then Felix takes care of production and PR and, and business dev and, and with Finji's help. Uh and then with Power Up Audio does does the music.
1: Or the uh, power, power up is doing the uh the audio design. Um there's a, a, a life formed uh, Terrence
0: Lee is doing the uh the soundtrack. And, okay
1: all right
0: yeah boy boy um, It's super exciting <laughs> and um i think that's that's kind of like the 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 er indie like the perfect indie scenario where it's like someone wants to be kind of the sole creator with all that stuff but like especially since you're doing a 3d game that can be extremely hard like doing the modeling and then the gameplay programming and then the game design and and doing all the shader tech and everything like that and and how did you like I mean, obviously, it was it was probably like a slow acclimation of all those skills over time. Like we were talking about, like, you know, I, I dug up that tweet when the, that historical timeline thing was going around. You had a tweet from like, oh eight where you're learning GLSL. And it's just <laughs> right. Yeah, it's it's interesting, like that you're able to do all that. And I feel like that would drive me insane as a game developer, like trying to hold on to all that stuff. Um, And so so how do you how do you tackle it from your end, both from like a kind of tackling things from day to day and and switching those hats
1: oh yeah gosh um hmm. it's a it's a big question um uh, yeah it's uh it, i guess it's a like, sort of on demand sort of thing it's whatever the the current um situation calls for is the sort of mode that i need to get into and uh one of the things that i've realized is that uh sometimes switching modes is uh fast and natural and sometimes it's really not uh, so in circumstances where you are doing like uh, uh uh combat design and animation those two things can be those two things are so tightly related to feel that uh it it's almost not a context switch at all you know you you are thinking oh i need this hit to to come down faster and i need it to be telegraphed just so um those are animation tasks and so that those are sort of like really um, tightly interwoven. And then there are things that uh, re- require a little bit more, um, I don't know, like there's cognitive inertia when you're switching between that and say something different like um, you know overall level design or progression design. And then you've got stuff that's very different like contract negotiation or uh, yeah, cutting footage for something and learning how editing software works. Um, yeah, those are the, those are the sorts of things where you you need to. Uh, if you're if you're doing lots of those different things during the day, you will probably end your day pretty tired. Or at least I do.
0: And when you when you started on Tunic, did you kind of already have like a small? base familiarity with with a lot of those skill sets or is it a lot of like hey i want to make this game um but i don't know much about like 3d modeling or several of these skills and i'm just going to learn it on the way or was it like i'm i'm vaguely familiar with all these skills and i'm going to skill up as i go along uh i guess so i'm a uh a sort of a programmer by formal training
1: i got a cs degree uh and so the the programming part is um you know i'm don't get me wrong, I'm not the best programmer in the world, but that um <laughs> neither am I. <laughs> that uh that was sort of like the that that's kind of the the easy part for me and uh uh the the stuff that I had had experience with was doing um you know 2D animation and like game jam sort of stuff. Like I'm going to uh you know use these use Blender to make some really like low poly trees uh or I'm going to um do crappy pixel art for my game or you know that that sort of thing like i, I was able to get by and and use like uh um like a, i i my favorite thing to do is sort of add polish and make things look cool so i i had a bunch of experience doing that just in my job i did like a ui design and, and programming uh for for these hidden object games as well as uh writing them and so i thought well that's got to be You've got, you've got programming, you've got writing, you've got some amount of art. I don't know how to do 3D modeling. I'll learn that as I go. And that's sort of what I've done. I did a little bit of 3D modeling like before I started this project, but um, this was the one where I needed to sit down basically and say, I'm going to watch a bunch of Blender tutorials and learn how to put these vertices exactly where I want them. Uh, and that's that's been reflected in iteration through the project. Like the very first, we, we call them uh, call the early Fox, Dorito Fox, Um, just a real, real sort of origami looking character, which is, I mean, some people really like that, but at some point I needed to, you know, add some extra vertices and smooth things out. So it stood up to closer inspection and just, you know, have a little bit more freedom with animation. Uh, and that's been a lot of fun. Actually, I super enjoy modeling and animation. It's in, in 3d. It's a, it's a lot of fun, but a lot of other things, uh, not least of which being, uh, business stuff and, uh, um, actually, like game design in general, like that was uh, more than. I mean, if you you accept business as being like almost an entirely separate sphere, I think the the thing that has been most uh, uh, eye opening is that I don't. I still don't consider myself like an especially uh, good game designer. Like I'm learning as I go, but I have there. There's a there's a uh, seemingly a. Uh, qualitative difference between small game and big game. I don't know where that threshold is, but the design brain required to keep the whole thing in your head when it's you know a multi-hour experience as opposed to a five-minute game jam experience is is uh, you know that's a that's an important difference.
0: Yeah, I feel like you have to have much more of a um, fifty-thousand-foot view, right? Because you know with the game jams that like you understand, you need this one loop to be very very good or at least, at least enjoyable for like you said a five minute experience but then you know for for a larger game you need at least multiple versions of that or at least the same version that iterates over time in order to to maintain interest right yeah yeah it's uh well i i hope it's a good video game i say, <laughs> i guess i think it'll be a good video game andrew i have faith
1: i hope so have you played it you've played the demo maybe
0: Mm-hmm. i played it at south okay uh good and then i mean I, I didn't really demo it much because that was kind of your forte at at pax east uh yeah i guess so you were yeah you were helping out at the booth for sure um
1: yeah you you know this thing uh yeah and speaking of which um uh design um uh, acumen that's another reason why uh finji is uh really great to to be working with because uh adam has you know finely tuned design brain and Early on, when he was like, "Okay, let's let's actually sit down and and do the the brain exchange," where I just do like info dump and and give you everything that I think I know about this thing. And at that point, from from then on, there was another human brain who sort of was like knew all the the nuances and design challenges that existed in the game. And that was yeah, that was an exciting moment to you know have someone not just come up with ideas for it, but to have context
0: for how they would fit in and how they address certain challenges and what new problems they introduce. That's extremely valuable. And that was kind of what you wanted from the beginning with Finji originally was that you wanted more of a mentorship. Like The intent wasn't for for them to be a publisher, but to have both is obviously really nice. Yeah, absolutely. The design question of like just because I'm a good gameplay programmer or you know artist is like doesn't necessarily mean i'm a good designer I, I know a couple of my colleagues like are kind of grappling with that stuff um my one colleague sam who i think i introduced you to at gdc he uh yeah he's working on a project right now and he's just an amazing amazing c-sharp programmer amazing um shader programmer and then he just like put a tweet out the other day where it was like yeah i you know realize that you spend all this time like becoming a really, really good programmer that does not by default mean, make you a good designer. Right, yeah. And it's it's hard to, especially in the indie space, to like start out as a designer, I would feel like, and then translate into one of these other skill sets as opposed to the other ones. Like so programming, for example, like, you know, when you think of games, you think of programming kind of by default, or at least that's why I assume people think of because it's kind of like a good portion of the heavy lifting for for games and so you have programmers who are like, well, I know how to program, so so that's it. So I can I can figure out the rest, whereas I I can only imagine what, like, a narrative designer or a, you know, 3D artist or a, you know, game designer wanting to make their own game and be like, okay, why well, I have to learn? I have to learn the thing that everyone thinks is the thing that makes a video game a video game, whereas right. I have what's kind of perceived as a secondary skill. Yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. Uh, you get into circumstances where... uh the
1: you know everyone needs to learn skills in order to to make something. Um, I mean, I don't want to say make something good because you can have you can have no skills whatsoever and still bang out something that you enjoyed and it has some sort of like intrinsic goodness there. But if we're we're using some metric of 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 quality, uh, it's going to require multidisciplinary input. And, uh, yeah, it's, I think it's easy for, um, like I, I, I am a programmer, therefore I can probably handle the rest of these things versus, uh, yeah, it's a little bit more obvious in the case of, uh, you know, like, a, you know, so a talented 2d artist comes in and might think, oh, I, I can't, I can't make a video game by myself. I don't know how to program. Uh, and so you, you, yeah, you, that's a, I think that's an unfortunate, um, situation uh, and oh, it's it's exciting to see more tools that uh, are going to allow people to um, take their 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 sphere that they're comfortable with and uh, make a game without necessarily having like a, a whole pile of experience, like you know, pressing the buttons to make it go you know, in a programming sense.
0: Right, and then I also get super inspired by like people that don't have like a programming background or able to just make it make it indie game with the the currently available tools like um Keaton who was on my train jam team he uh he was a he was a producer at Capcom in Japan and then when he came back to the states he was like all right i'm going to I want to make my own game so he had to go and basically find all the people with the knowledge to execute on the game he wanted to make and obviously the production skills helped tremendously there but also he just needed either money <laughs> to pay them or a very amazing interpersonal skills to communicate his vision for them to have, you know, faith or belief in the vision to see it through to the end, whether it's a, like a rev share situation or like a partial rev share, partial payment upfront. Um, so yeah, I think that stuff's really cool. And so when I hear stuff like that, I'm like, okay, yeah, like the, the, the programming is not a prerequisite to be able to do what we're doing in, in, in this, in this, arena in this part of the the industry i think it's also inspiring and helpful to know that like you didn't walk in as a master of all these different skill sets and be like all right now it's gonna make the game it's like all right i'm gonna gonna figure it out as i as i go along just same as anyone else
1: yeah very much so it's um there's i think the the the, the biggest skill of all um is is sort of a, a cheat answer but it's it's Yeah, working on a on a big project, I think is is a skill um, that yeah, I I had had to a certain degree working in uh, like multi-person long-term projects um, at at a company, but but managing that and deciding where effort needs to be placed and having confidence in a design enough to move forward with it is yeah, that's a that is definitely a skill stick
0: to itedness
1: <laughs> right yeah
0: well, uh, I think the first I heard of tunic was last year at e three um was that that wasn't like was that its first public debut or like its first like really big Because it was on which which press conference was it at last year
1: uh it was it was part of the p c gaming show uh last year um uh it had been um uh, shown at a, a couple so yeah it's, it's had a, a long history of showing up here and there uh like it was at uh, fantastic arcade i think was the, the the first show that it was at uh which was super cool and then uh it uh it, it showed up i think at day of the devs once or twice um and the the big one i think was a uh, uh, pax west uh and then yeah it's, so it's been this like incremental sort of increase um and then, yeah, PC Gaming Show last year. I mean, uh, depending on when you hear this, um, there may or may not be more information about places where you have seen it. Uh, but um, as of the time of recording, yeah, PC Gaming Show last year at E3 was sort of a, the big one.
0: So, yeah, check check Twitter if you want to know more information. <laughs> Good. I like it. Good sales pitch. Is this going to be your first time at E3? Because I heard you're going this year. Is this your first time at the show or Yeah, exactly. So last year Felix was
1: uh was repping the, the, the game, but I'm going to be going myself this year, which is um pretty exciting. Uh but it's one of those things where people um talk about how utterly drained I'm going to be. Uh and I don't know if that's just the the LA heat or whatever, because people say that about packs sometimes too. Like I was I was pretty spooked about going to packs, but um, th- those are those are kind of fun, I think. You know, just talking to enthusiastic people. So, uh, I, I, you know, I imagine that this, the yeah, the LA Heat, and the fact that you are uh, talking to, you know, real honest goodness press people, uh, might amp up the the stress a little bit. But um, I hear there's some very good sushi. I'll get some plans to go with friends to eat some good food
0: there. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm gonna stay positive about it. I think I think that's the best tack to take. Yeah, I I've never been real. So this was like the first time I helped out at a Pax booth when I helped you guys out, and I told like one of my friends, I was like, yeah, so I'm gonna do the panel, and then I'm gonna help Finji out, and they're like, do you really want to do that? Like that seems like a lot of work. And I'm like, yeah, but you know, I've done sh- way smaller shows where it's just me running the booth, and those are exhausting. So even if the show's bigger, but I'm distributing the weight amongst you know three other people, I don't I don't I, I wasn't I wasn't afraid of of being worn out and and i got to see all my friends so what's there to complain about yeah exactly
1: i mean the uh i uh, have the uh the, the luxury and privilege of having uh people take care of a lot of the like annoying logistics um like like lodging and, and negotiating booth space and things like that um uh, so yeah for 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 me it's you know booking plane tickets and showing up and yeah
0: getting to talk about your video game with enthusiastic strangers and, and grabbing grabbing the the night in the woods fans be like, "Hey, check out this other anthropomorphic animal game
1: yeah, you like you like animals and
0: uh, uh ennui <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, that should be their new tagline. Let's Scott know yeah, that's uh, that's the the Fingy brand animals and ennui is there anything else about e three are you are you an e three guy in terms of following all the big the big press stuff?
1: I think it's kind of fun to, to watch, uh, you know, to, to sort of get a, uh, especially if you're watching the, uh, like a, a restream where people who are actually knowledgeable about the stuff can sort of like commentate on it. I think that's pretty fun. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think this year I'll probably be, um, uh, uh, vibrating with anxiety for all of it. So <laughs> maybe I'll catch up after the fact.
0: Yeah. I feel like, you know, if you're there and you're not press, I feel like you're just, you're, you're going to learn of everything either. Someone's gonna mention it to you. And you're like, oh, okay, that's cool. But don't have time to think about that because I'm working. And then you kind of, at the the debrief afterwards. Even I do that. Like I don't like I don't watch many of the press conferences live. Like as they stream, I usually just wait a couple days later. Like I'll hear about the big, the big news. Like oh, Nintendo announced Odyssey Two or something. You know, and then right, yeah, yeah, and then I'll r- watch through them later. Is there anything that you're especially excited to
1: to find out about? I guess this is all, all street. if this uh if this thing is coming out after E3, uh everybody's listening and and they they already know.
0: Like, yeah, they, they know. Yeah. They know everything. They're like, just God, this is torture. Yeah. Well, you I can't this. listen to this. <laughs> exactly. Um, well, Andrew, when you're not making games, do you have time to play any games?
1: Uh yeah, every now and again I uh I've been trying to uh, polish off the very tail end of Dark Souls Three because um, I'm super late to the party with everything. Uh, I uh, what else have I been playing recently? Was something a little while ago? No, it's gone now. Everything's gone. Oh, <laughs> I, I play I play Tetris with my housemates a lot. Oh, really? I'm super into yeah, Puyo Puyo Tetris is, uh, oh, is yeah. a staple yeah, around yeah. here. Um are you a are you a Puyo guy or are you a Tetris guy? Uh Tetris guy. Um I uh Puyo, Puyo is super cool but I uh, I'm not skilled at it or anything like that. Um also yeah I I finished off
0: uh, Celeste finally as well. It's uh, super oh, nice. Oh awesome. Did you get to talk to anyone from that team at uh at GDC? Uh oh yeah every now and again we we
1: hang out and of course Kevin is is on the, the tunic team as well. Right. Right right right.
0: Yeah, I, I I talked to Noel for the briefest of seconds at their IGF booth. Yeah, um, and I think that was the first time I actually got to play Celeste because I haven't gotten a chance to like get it in my hands yet. And yeah, it's a that's a good feeling game. Very much so. Um, yeah, that's that's the extent of uh,
1: I think video game stuff recently.
0: Well, let's go back to Poyo Poyo Tetris for a second, because I'm I'm curious about your your skills and your strats. Because it's funny that you say you're a uh, a Tetris guy in Poyo Poyo, because I feel like Poyo Poyo is like way easier to succeed at in that oh, game. Really? Oh yeah. I mean, in, in my experience, and I played a lot of Tetris like growing up, like I had the Game Boy Tetris and whatnot. But uh, I don't know, man. I'm just I'm just not as not as good as I thought I was. Can't get those T spins. Can't. <laughs> Because it's way easier to chain combos in Poyo Poyo, in my experience, than it is in Tetris. In that yeah,
1: game, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's yeah. I think I just I didn't have enough experience with uh, Poyo Poyo in order to develop whatever like pattern recognition engine that needs to run in my brain <laughs> in order to uh, to to set up combos properly. Like it's fun, but generally speaking, it's we're a Tetris household here. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not. Exceptionally skilled at at Tetris. Either we everybody at the house is like more or less the same skill level, which is really good. Um, but only recently have I discovered have I have I been able to uh, consistently pull off uh, T-spins? Just a sort of
0: mm. new mm-hmm.
1: tech. If that gives you an indication of what our what our level is currently like.
0: Got it. Yeah, I got it to play with my girlfriend, and and I was I was succeeding for a while. Uh, she would play Puyo Puyo, I'd play Tetris, and then there was just there was just hard turn. Where she all of a sudden got way quicker and meaner in her poyo poyo plays, <laughs> right? Yeah. And I was I was I was not able to keep up, so I had to make a hard turn. I made a hard switch to to poyo to hold my own against her again. Yeah,
1: the uh, my my uh, one of my housemates taught me a uh, a technique in poyo poyo, which I lean on maybe a little bit too heavily, is to um, build a uh, as fast as you can. Tower along the right side, and then sort of hope and pray that you get good matches. And it's sort of like because there's a tower there. uh, If if you luck out, you um, can get some sort of like um, serendipitous combos. Uh, And also, uh, if all of your your stuff is sort of squished off to the sides, uh, you don't need to worry quite as much about um, garbage. Because I I could be wrong about this, but I feel like garbage just is it's uh however much garbage uh it's not distributed among all available rows uh if if garbage would go on a uh a row on the side or a column on the side that has already filled up you just don't get that garbage i could be wrong i don't know come on at me folks tell me how someone tell me tell me how puyupuyo works
0: send us your hot Puyo, Puyo strats at dicey that's right that's me <laughs> um so kind of briefly ran through that you've been playing dark souls and that do you consider yourself a a big a big souls fan
1: uh i mean i mm, no uh (laughs) okay (laughs) (laughs) i mean yeah yeah i do i i like the the video games i've i've played uh not not all of them but uh, i've only actually the first one i finished was was bloodborne and and now very nearly uh dark souls 3 but um i uh yeah any any sort of like um uh, lore deep dive that i do is uh very um i I'm, I'm an onlooker you know i don't i don't have a comprehensive understanding of everything uh so yeah i'm not not i'm not that deep but i uh i like uh, uh you know thinking about the um the combat design in that game and and how it's you know a, a give and take and it's about uh, uh yeah like resource management a lot of the time
0: which is sort of interesting so in that vein, how much how much Souls inspiration is there in, in Tunic then?
1: Uh I mean it. It has been brought up before that there is a little bit of that there. Um, I mean for early on there was a uh, a stamina bar that still exists in in a certain form in the, in the build that you might play in a demo today or uh, at an event. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean like enemies have a, a poise equivalent as well. So yeah, there's definitely some stuff that's that has been. Uh, um, adapted uh, into this isometric view, but yeah, it's it's different in a lot of ways as well. Like it's it's not quite so
0: grim and spooky. I, I but that final boss, though, I would argue, <laughs> is n- near impossible. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's definitely. There's, I guess, yeah. The
1: so uh, the 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 management of when do you dodge, when do you block, that sort of thing is is also sort of a,
0: a soulsy sort of thing. Do you find? Um when people come up to the booth to play it like if they're a dark souls fan they'll immediately like bring that up or kind of taking that a step further do you find that people overlay whatever they're a fan of onto your game and say like oh the game's like this it's like the game is obviously inspired by this game and you're like mm, i've never played that game but uh, like do you think people are, are reading in what they want to read into your game or uh
1: yeah yeah i guess so that 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 happens and people will be like oh like this thing and it's a game you know i've never, I've never heard of but uh i mean yeah, yeah that's that's exciting to me people bring their own experiences to something and that's what is gonna you know color their perception of stuff uh so yeah i mean people will obviously come up and say like oh it's like like zelda i'm like well yeah maybe a little bit and some people say oh it's like dark souls I'm being like, And oh, well yeah maybe a little bit uh some people say it's you know it's like what is that game called tiny big adventure or something like that i've never actually played it
0: and tiny big I mean, adventure it,
1: yeah it's it's this i think it's a, a maybe british game from maybe the 90s i think the the main uh touchstone there is just that it's got this this isometric view i don't i don't think there's uh, similarities beyond that um but uh, yeah, people will definitely come and look at it and, and uh, you know, at the far and away the, the response that we get is, oh boy, it looks so cute, um, which, is, uh, which is good. But I, I also hope that I'm not going to be, it's not going to be terribly disappointing to people when they, they realize that it's, you know, it's got some, some technical combat in it. But so far the reception seems to be positive.
0: Right. It's not just twee. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, I mean I, I, I really I really enjoyed it's 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 got a it's got a flow in just the the locomotion uh to the game, which I, I really enjoyed playing it. And there's a a liveliness to the world. So like Ori, if you think of Ori in the Blind Forest, like that that that's a that's a game that you could also sometimes classify as, as cute, and then also mystical and, and some other uh descriptors, but uh everything in that game like everything on the screen is just so active all the time and it mm, sometimes yeah. can be like a an overload on your senses uh whereas your game like the the, ba- the backdrop sometimes knows how to take a step back and and kind of focus on on the main character but then you have like very nice touches of like oh i'm gonna run through like these bushes or this grass and the and the bushes like ungulate in the very right. yeah yeah cutesy chewy way that i really
1: like yeah, I do I do like adding stuff like that. I yeah, there there are a few sort of amounts. There's a few specific types of polish that I uh want to add, but I've prevented myself from doing it just because I need to be working on other stuff. So I've I've got some some back pocket um polish like um Felix and I talk about adding little little puffs of dust when you walk or roll. I can't wait to add that. But that that represents a, a an amount of polish that you know I shouldn't I shouldn't necessarily be focusing on right now. It's the the challenge right now is producing quality content, uh, and then then I can go back and really dive down and add all the, the little
0: touches that I want to. Have you played any of the more recent uh, Mario games like Odyssey or um, even Mario and Rabbids, but uh, Super Mario 3D World or Super Mario 3D Land?
1: Uh, I had not. Uh, really done a deep dive on uh, a mario game since like gosh i think as, as far as like like core platformer uh, mario games since i think mario 64 actually until i uh i played through odyssey um and uh yeah really really enjoyed that you, you was this about like puffs of smoke when you're when running you're yes, around yes yes yeah. yes
0: specifically in the in super mario 3d world which i don't know if if you have access to a wii u and a copy of that game maybe check it out because it, it's also an isometric uh chiefly isometric game uh but they they do the puffs of smoke like you know when w- luigi goes from like a walk to a sprint like it just puffs of smoke shoot out from beneath the shoes yeah but they add some sort of like lighting on it that makes it almost look like the 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 puffs of smoke are made out of, like, gummy material. Oh, cool. Like, you could pick it up and you could just pop it in your mouth and be like a gummy bear almost. Like, oh, it right. has this this interesting texture that makes it not feel like smoke, but feel like this solid, chewy thing. I, I almost want to look this up now. It's really good. There's a lot in Super Mario 3D World that's overlooked a lot because it's the, the Wii U Mario game. But a lot of the choices they made in that game, both with there's like really good music that's only in that game, and then also some of the stylistic choices.
1: I I had muted myself to uh to to watch this footage of Super Mario 3D World and its puffy smoke, uh, which you're right looks amazing. Um and yeah, and then I was uh, uh, thinking, yes, I one day, one
0: day I would like to sit down and play this video game, but. Probably, but there's after. work to do, yeah. <laughs> so, there's a giant event coming up that I need to be prepared for, yeah. That's right. So, for even for E3, is it like, um, is Felix taking care of uh, all the the press stuff for you? And it's another case of you showing up, and it's like, all right, now you talk to this person, all right, now you talk to this person,
1: uh, yeah. Between uh, Felix and and Becca at uh, at Finji, that's uh, I'm going to uh, be in a room somewhere and talking to people. On a throne, uh, Vingy no, throne. I, I doubt that very much. I feel like if there's <laughs> if if I have
0: food, it will be nice. <laughs> Here's some trail mix. Just enjoy the rest of your day. Enjoy your back-to-back meetings. I think it's going to be great. That's cool. Yeah, I'm excited for you. I'm I I have yet to to experience the E3, and I might make a go of it next year because I can prove that I'm part of the industry with my invoices and whatnot. So can get a pass. Yeah,
1: I guess that's a that's a thing you need to to fill in some, some paperwork.
0: Yeah. Well, not anymore, because now they do public passes that they sell uh, to the general public. I guess they've been kind of experimenting with it because uh, uh, last year, I think it was not received well by industry folks because it seemed to be a very crowded convention center. Um, and then this year, I think they're having like dedicated press days or at least press hours. Right. Yeah, more, okay. more so than like what PAX has i think it's like 3 or 4 hours in the morning some days or maybe a full day at the beginning of the week um which it's it's interesting cuz from the outside looking in people kind of see E3 as like a, a video game mecca and but from the inside looking out it's a lot of press people and developers like we're, we're here to get work done and like right, you yeah. know demo our games to people that need to see them to do their jobs so I mean if you want to come in stand in line and try the game out I guess you can do that.
1: Yeah, I'm uh, I'm excited to see what it's like. Yes, I'm excited for you. <laughs> yeah. Please report back. Uh yeah, well again by the time you've heard this then
0: I will I will I will probably still be sleeping. <laughs> it would be recovering, you'll be in your your post E3 slumber.
1: I guess so. I don't know. I, I'm not really sure what to to expect. People people keep spooking me out on on how intense it's going to be. So yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes.
0: I think you're coming out with the right attitude, though. I think you're you're keeping a positive outlook, and I think it'll be just fine. Hooray! <laughs> you just have to worry about your your immense jet lag going both to and from the West Coast.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Usually when I go to uh, the the west coast uh it's by train and so things are you know slower uh and and i've got a little bit more time to adapt and it's right after um train jam and so there's you know uh, you know sleep has not been in in adequate supply for a few days and then you do uh, you know you have a nice shower and you sleep it off and that sort of like shake up of your rhythm um it means that i don't know maybe maybe it helps sort of clear the jet lag out a little bit uh but anyway, yeah, in this case I, I will not have that, that luxury. So yeah, we'll see how it goes.
0: Especially be on Atlantic time versus Eastern Time, which I have only recently discovered is a time zone. Yeah, yeah. I thought uh East Coast had the honor of being the The, the most east. The most east on the on the North American continent, but I guess I was wrong. Yeah,
1: no, there's, there's atlantic time which um i don't know if it shares the same name but i i think is it like rio has these also like i'm gonna maybe i need to check them out
0: that that's probably true
1: yeah well, atlantic time zone 301 oh yeah that's accurate thanks internet <laughs> uh yeah no i guess oh areas covered uh, yeah brazil at least parts of it i guess brazil is super big so i don't know exactly which parts of it but it's <laughs> very yeah, large eastern time zone and you're not even the most east uh oh yeah no there's also newfoundland i guess in in canada at least there's uh newfoundland is uh further east and uh, has its own separate uh like 30 minute time zone
0: how much of a like how much land mass is that like I don't really have a scale of, of, of Newfoundland.
1: Uh New Newfoundland. Uh, Newfoundland. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's um. Yeah, I, I I don't know. Map projections are weird too because there's altitude right. differences between it and the United States. So I don't actually. I, I don't know if I'd be able to offer you a, an immediate uh, accurate comparison. Um, but yeah, take a take a look at a if, uh, you dear listener if you want to look at a map <laughs> of Canada. Um, there's a little uh, there's a little sort of seven. Poking off the side of the country on the on the, the right hand side, that's uh, that's Nova Scotia. That's where I am, and just to the north and east of it is uh, uh, an island. That's Newfoundland. Newfoundland. Yeah, Newfoundland. <laughs> uh, uh, this has been your Canadian Geography Minute.
0: Oh, thank you. Yeah. As we we always end the podcast on a on a Canadian Geography Minute. Oh, great. It's it's really. <laughs> It helps educate the listeners. Fantastic. Well, Andrew, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk yeah, to me no about worries. Tunic and everything, especially as we get close to E3. Even though, as we've said, it's now post E3, <laughs> so we're just constantly messing with people's brains. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. Um, I uh, I had a good time. This is this is super cool. Excited to. Uh, uh, I guess not to to listen to this i don't want to listen to this out of my own voice but uh yeah i I hope people enjoy i think they
0: will i think they will also andrew where can people find you oh yeah um so i'm uh at dicey on twitter uh if you're interested
1: in tunic the isometric action adventure about a tiny fox in a big world then you can check it out at TunicGame.com. you can sign up for the mailing list there uh unannounced information as of the time of recording this will be announced and uh, some uh, yeah, some exciting news on the horizon for, for Tunic. Um, and you can check it out now. You can also follow Tunic Game on Twitter if you
0: are so inclined. Awesome. Um, and if you like this podcast and you'd like to listen to any of our other podcasts, you can find them at dot com or on Twitter at Word Video Games or just search WordCast wherever you might listen to a podcast. Andrew. Thank you again for coming on. Thank you. And until next time. Bye.